Welcome to MSPHD, More School Pursuing Higher Degrees. It's a podcast where we talk to current or former graduate students and learn from each other's experiences. I'm your host, Sarah Roscoe, and I just finished my third year as a PhD student in computer science. In episode three, I have a conversation with Sam Murray. He's in the same year of PhD, studying electrical engineering, as I am at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. I think you're going to really like this conversation, as Sam shares some really good advice about grad school. Among other things, he talks about his first time teaching a class, what he loves about electrical engineering, and how he takes side projects or hobbies, and maybe turns them into some research. So let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Sam Murray. All right, here we are. Sam, do you want to tell me a little bit about yourself? Like, what's your program? What year are you? Yeah, sure, Sarah. Um, Well, my name is Sam Murray. Um, I'm in my, I just finished my third year of UNL's uh, electrical engineering PhD program. I, I'm originally from Cortland, Nebraska, which is just a tiny little town kind of in Southeast uh, Nebraska. And um, so, yeah, uh, I, that's me. Awesome. Uh, so what do you like about electrical engineering? Oh man, there are, there are a lot of things to like. Uh, I feel like it, it fits my personality pretty well for all the, things that I'm curious about, because it's kind of pervasive in a lot of different aspects of modern um, living, I guess. You know, everywhere you turn these days, there's some electronic thing or electrical system that uh, you're using from like your cell phone to like your car to the electric lights, you know, everything. And I really, I, <laughs> for a uh, trying to avoid sounding like the archetypal grad student. I really like learning things. Yes. (laughs) Uh, I think that it's just fascinating to discover how things work and also to think about how to make things better or how to come up with new ideas for new approaches on how to achieve some end. Maybe it's to solve a problem or to um, create some entirely new paradigm of doing something, I guess. And electrical engineering, first of all, c- combines some really crazy physics-y things together with a very pragmatic um, and unintuitive way that you would never you would never think that you know electricity, this weird force of nature, can do all these random things, but it can. And so, <laughs> I don't know. To me, all that is is fascinating. The the electromotive things that you can do, like you know, making cars move or the sensory things you can do, like measuring humidity with uh, electronics. I just, it blows my mind and I still just love it every day, so. Oh, that's amazing. Um, so do you, like, do you collaborate with other departments? Uh, um, in a way, yeah. We've collaborated with, like, the physics department before to understand, like, some of the sensory things that we need to do because, like, the sensors are based on physics we naturally need physics to understand how that stuff works. Mm -hmm. Um, Electrical engineering itself is a pretty wide uh, subject. So we actually have a lot of different disciplines within it. 
that we cross talk to like the the uh, materials and devices people if we need to discuss things about how like a semiconductor works or the um communications people or the signal processing if we need to do some math that we're you know not not capable of doing or something like that um so it, it we we have a lot of self help i guess within our own department oh that's really cool it reminds me of like computer science how like there's so much that you can do within the field and yeah it's like like you get help from other places but it's also kind of self-contained yeah yeah i definitely understand <laughs> I, I i like uh, all the computery things that you can do too over in the computer science world <laughs> that's fascinating too <laughs> what's your time management strategy <laughs> that that's kind of a joke for me <laughs> i'm pretty haphazard um somehow somehow it works i really couldn't tell you how but what i find myself typically doing is i have a sort of adaptable approach i'm not a very good planner and so i i don't <laughs> and what usually happens is i've got my you know calendar that I write my stuff down in like deadlines and stuff but usually that's all that's really in the calendar is like deadlines and so when I get up to do my work every day what I do is you know I've got my to-do list and my calendar and I just decide what's important today what is the priorities for today and then I just do work in that order and it almost always comes out okay. And it also requires the least amount of effort, I think, because I just hate overscheduling and, you know, having all these things appear in your calendar, though, like at 1 p.m. I have to do this meeting and at 2 p.m. I have to do that thing. I hate that, that's awful. And kind of the power behind this is that um, it leaves me able to do kind of spur of the moment things. Like if a friend is like, hey, do you want to meet up for lunch or, um i don't know if i run out of food and need to go to the grocery store or have a flat tire i can just go do that the cost is that i wind up working at the wee hours of the morning a lot and don't really have a set time schedule that i do work so the interspersing of actually living life and doing work is fuzzy at best <laughs> yeah that that does sound kind of nice how you have like a is so it's basically just like a list of these are the goals for the day and if i get like halfway through if i get three quarters through then that's what you do for the day or do you like work to just complete the whole list so i <laughs> unfortunately i'm also very bad at estimating how much time all those things on the list will take so again, I just don't <laughs> and just do as much as I can and call it good at the end of the day. So no, I don't check everything off the list once I've tabulated it. So that usually starts out next day's list. But uh, that's kind of how it works. It's a not very well-oiled machine, but it, it kind of works. Cool. <laughs> um, what do you love about being in grad school? I 
there, there are many things that I love about being in grad school. And one of them is the freedom to pursue the things that fascinate me, which fortunately there are a lot. So it doesn't, is that, that's not a hard requirement, but the freedom part, I think, is what is important. And I'm not entirely certain if this is a repercussion of grad school itself, or if it's like just some weird, I guess, alignment of the stars for my particular program and advisor and stuff. Uh, I, I don't know. But the thing that is great about it is that um, in the past, I've had several different hobby projects that I've worked on in grad school and that I've just thought were really fun and fascinating and have been able to like work these actually into the research in actually meaningful ways. So I guess as, a, as an example, uh, there was one time that I got really into like, you know, neural networks and machine learning and stuff like that. And I thought that was really cool. And so I was like, okay, um, let's start thinking about things that I could use this for. And so I was like, well, I already do this research. Let's just see if I can do research with this. And then uh, I decided to make a um, like hardware accelerator for like neural networks and stuff and stick it on all the chips that I make. And I was just like, oh, this is awesome. Uh, here's, here's something for a paper and wrote a paper about it. And that was great. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it's stuff like that, that they, I think in a company or maybe even another grad program, I don't know, would try to get you to be focused on like the tasks that they want you to do. And to me that, you know, you, you have to be focused on the task at hand a lot, but it also will stifle creativity and like, you know, that raw just creation of a new thing that may or may not actually be beneficial to your end project. But if it is, the payout can sometimes be there's a brand new research opportunity or product or whatever. And I just, I really love that about what I, I do. That's amazing. I love that story. Um, yeah. <laughs> how do you, how do you like foster that creativity? I, uh, <laughs> it, again, sort of like the whole time scheduling thing, it's quite haphazard. Usually what it is, is I just get interested in something and <laughs> kind of forego what I'm supposed to be doing and start going down this rabbit hole. And, you know, a lot of the time it ends up in a dead end. And I'm just like, okay, cool. Now I know something about this. But then, you know, once in a while, it'll turn out to be something that's actually useful. And um, I will usually pitch the idea once I have a good idea about if it's going to work or not to my advisor and be like, hey, I have this idea for the research project. Can we do this? And he'll be like, eh, maybe, yes, no, you know. And, you know, that's, that's when I would know if I could, you know, go further with it. Sometimes I don't tell him at all and just be like, hey, here's this thing that I made. <laughs> He's like, oh, cool. So you kind of do all that work up front and trying to, trying to figure out, like, is this just like a, a cool hobby or could this work for research? Essentially, yeah. Um, I don't like putting out there things that might not work 
So I, I, I'd like to be fairly certain that they have a good chance of success before I actually like tell anybody about it. <laughs> yeah, cool. It's a lot of fun. I like it a lot. Yeah, uh, I wish I had that like, uh, like, oh, I think this is really cool. I'm going to make this into a research project. I'm not really <laughs> good at that. I'm, I mean, I don't know. I guess I'm still learning. Well, that's the whole point, right? Yeah. So um, never fear. <laughs> yay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have a question. So you taught for the first time this past semester, correct? Yeah, I did. How was that experience? It was, it was awesome. I'll just say that um, up front. I really enjoyed it. That said, I'm not sure if I want to be a prof or not, but I, I really have always liked, you know, mostly one-on-one -on -one tutoring, not like in a professional sense, but like when people, you know, are like, hey, Sam, how do you do this one problem? I really enjoy like helping people work through a problem. And that's kind of what I got to do teaching this semester. I was not prepared for a lot of the, I guess, more not so sunny parts of teaching, like, you know, kids who cheat and dealing out bad grades and things like that. And um, that kind of put a damper on my spirits at times. But overall, I thought seeing them, especially the ones that weren't like naturally just great at everything, seeing them understand things and like you can see it in their eyes when they like begin to understand and it's just amazing when that happens because you're like yes you finally know what I'm talking about and you can tell me about things too uh, that that part is just amazing and then when they ask questions that are really deep and you're just like, okay, kid, how did you, how did you think of this question? Because that's just amazing. And now I get to geek out and tell you the answer. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, man. students asking questions is the best. Yes. I love it. Even when they like, they, I'll get it a lot where students will ask me a question and I don't like, I don't think quickly on my feet when like someone asks me like a technical question and I'm like, I think this is the answer, but I'm not sure. I have to go like, go look that up. But I just love it when they ask the question, even if yeah. I can't answer it right away. I certainly agree with you on that. <laughs> it's, it's great. So for all of you listening, if you ever become a teacher, it, that, that's just a great feeling is bestowing upon the, the knowledge upon someone else and them running with it, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so good. Um, what have been some challenging things for you so far? All right. Well, um, I had the wrong idea for a long time about how life and school should intermix. Um, I think it probably all began growing up when I would hear people say like, well, you're in school right now, Sam, so you need to focus on school. You can't be focused on other things. 
um, that maybe you want to do, but aren't as important as like getting good grades and doing school and stuff like that. And that, that mentality must have stuck with me or something like that, I don't know. And um, when I was in undergrad, I kind of, I mean, I did, I did extracurricular stuff as much as I could. But then when it got time for grad school, I knew that grad school was going to take a lot of time. And um, that didn't thrill me that I wasn't going to be able to do all the things that I wanted to do. But I just thought, okay, we'll just do a master's degree and it'll just be two years. And I'll just go hard on that, postpone the other things in life that I want to do and just, just do master's for two years. And it wasn't good because, and I, I'm not saying that the master's degree wasn't good at all. I think it was a very good experience for me. But my mentality was wrong, I think. My thinking was along the lines of, I have to delay what I considered the start of my life to you know, focus on school and you know, do well in school and research and all that stuff. And what I didn't understand was that my life had already begun and I was living it at that moment, but I was missing out on things that I was personally interested in that had nothing to do with work uh, because of this misplaced idea that I had to, you know, get things done as fast as possible and, um, you know, get really good grades and all that, all that, you know, all that pressure stuff. And it cost me a lot because I, um, you know, would say, oh, sorry, I can't hang out tonight. You know, I've got a lot of work to do or I can't go on this trip because I need to, you know, focus on my research or, you know, things like that. Uh, missing out on personal connections with people, uh, missing out on life goals. I thought, well, I can't like date people while I'm in grad school because how am I going to have time for that, you know? And I just, it, it was not great. And so eventually what happened was, you know, my church was thinking of like, well, they needed new trustees, uh, which are the maintenance men who, you know, go around fixing things around the church. And I was like, oh, shoot, should I do this? Because like, I'm in grad school, and I might not have time to do this. And that kind of, that was what made me think, hey, wait a minute, this is my church, they're in need of help. What else really matters about this? I have the ability to do this. And so I, I should. And if it delays me in grad school, then it delays me. That's it. And that, that um, realization there kind of set the ball in motion for me to kind of cascade and a bunch of other realizations about this whole problem is that my life was already running, already going, and I shouldn't wait to do any of the things that I wanted to do uh, until after grad school, because, you know, this is my youth. <laughs> I need to do the things that I want to do now. <laughs> grad school among them, of course, but so since then, I've I've done the things that I wanted to do. I've like climbed the Grand Teton uh, in Wyoming and um, I've joined community band and play an instrument in a band and um, you know, th things like that. And things are much better now. So 
it's a lot less stressful too because I'm like, oh, whatever, I, I don't care. I'll just do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, there's, I was listening to someone give a talk a while ago. I don't know who it was, uh, but they said there is no prize that says you're the first to finish your degree or like there's no youngest PhD award. Like right. it, it takes as much time as it takes. That is absolutely right. And there's no need to fret about, you know, it's going to take four years and that's just four years down the drain, right? That's, that's not how it is. Your life is there. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so did you get your master's then? And now you're yes. continuing on to PhD. Fun so, thing about that, yeah. I, as an undergrad, was adamantly against being in grad school whatsoever. <laughs> so I, I don't mean to derail the conversation. No, that's, that's fine. Yeah, tell okay. me about that. <laughs> well, so like, all, I, I would just tell all my friends, yeah, grad school is for nerds and losers. I'm never going to do that because that's just a waste of time. <laughs> and of course, I was young and naive then and probably still am. But <laughs> now, of course, they all remind me, hey, Sam, remember that time you always told us that you weren't going to be in grad school? And how long have you been in grad school now? <laughs> so, yeah. But um, even when I did master's, I told myself, hey, it's only going to be master's. It's only going to be two years. I'm just going to do this and get it done. And I did not want to do PhD, even though I was fascinated in my, my subject area. I was just like, no, that's that's not going to happen. But when my advisor like roped me into his office and was like, hey, we think you'd be a good person to go for your PhD, and we think it would be good for you and for this program, I was just thinking, no, that sounds terrible. <laughs> but then I was driving home that day, and I remember this vividly. I turned off the... Um, I turned off the road onto the on-ramp of the uh, highway to get home and just sort of had this presence in me that was telling me, hey, you should do this. You have this rare opportunity and it's going to change your life. And like, this is not the sort of thing that you should pass up on. And, I, to, and if you ask me, I think it was, you know, God telling me, this is what I want you to do in your life. You may not want to do it, but this is what you're going to do. <laughs> and so I did. And that's why I'm here. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, so you talked a little bit about uh, like getting involved at your church, like taking on this, this role. Uh, and I'm wondering what, so church is one of the ways that uh, people can find community, like going to a, a religious community. Um, what are other ways uh, that you've like done community in grad school? Done community? You mean like interact with others, maybe outside of grad yeah. school? Yeah, or, or like within the school or outside, like, what kind of communities are you part of? Um, 
are there things that you know that like this is really important to me and this is something that I want to be a part of in my time in grad school yeah so I um I, well I already mentioned that I am a part of the community band <clears throat> here in town <laughs> which I am among the very youngest member in that I, if you if you have the box and whiskers plot I'm the whisker so, <laughs> yeah uh, so that's interesting but fun and um let's see I uh I really enjoy like the outdoors and specifically like hiking and rock climbing and stuff and so I guess at the university they've got like a climbing gym and I I go there really often and sometimes just to hang out with the people that are there, which are mostly younger than me. So now that you mention it, uh, it's kind of weird that I don't really hang out with people my age all that much, I guess, in that sense. <laughs> Except for my friends, of course. But <laughs> but uh, I, I do that. Um, let's see, what else do I do? The pandemic has kind of put a damper on a lot of the different things. Uh, that I did before, which is too bad, honestly. But uh, I, like everybody else, like, like hanging out with friends. And uh, oddly enough, most of them are not engineers or in grad school. They're just my friends. So I think that's a good way to get away from stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. um, let's see. What else is there? Well, that's all I can think of right now. So that'll have to do. Cool. <laughs> I guess the church too, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have any tips for your past self? So either like any point since starting the program or like maybe when you were applying or choosing it or all the way back to when you're deciding to go to grad school. Any tips for your past self? Any time from now to the past yeah well let's see i think first of all kind of in the same strain as what i was talking about before with the whole like you know delaying things in life until after grad school for myself i would definitely go back and tell me get that thought out of your head because that's not how it actually works. And it doesn't have to be that stressful or that, um, you know, confined as I was making it before. You can do things besides just work. So um, maybe a succinct way of saying it is that you should not allow your work to be your identity. You should have yourself and your work is simply just an aspect of you among many other things. So I think that would be my main, my main advice. And, you know, there's a bunch of other little nitty gritty things like, oh, don't take that class with this professor or whatever, <laughs> or like, uh, don't be stupid around people or something like that. I don't know. I guess, one thing I have learned too is to simply just shut up when you need to. 
I, I can kind of talk a lot at times if it's not evident from this interview. <laughs> uh, and I think it's wise to ask yourself the question, should I really be saying this right now to these people? Is this necessary? And you know, you don't say everything that's strictly necessary all the time, but maybe a better way to say it is, would this be bad to say this right now? <laughs> so that's just my two cents. How do you deal with frustration? So like maybe you're frustrated on a research project or yeah, something like that. How do you deal with that? <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I try to be optimistic about things as much as possible. And um, by and large, that, that works uh, until things just are not working. <clears throat> you know, it, typically what I'm imagining here is a situation where I'm working on a project that I just can't figure out and it's just not working. And so my, my usual um, strategy is just simply to hack away at it until it finally, you know, gets beat into submission. <laughs> uh, that doesn't always work. And I have a issue where I try to do things myself too much and don't ask for help until it's too late or it's been too much time, not necessarily too late, but I've just wasted a lot of time. So I, I could be better at this. Fortunately, this method doesn't really damper my spirits that often because I try to be optimistic and you know try to cool down if I'm feeling frustrated and like go do something else or you know um, you know play piano or something you know to cool my jets. Uh, it usually means that I don't have any emotional um, you know. I guess, instabilities because of that. However, there have been times in grad school that that strategy didn't work, such as, I guess, a year ago, I was working on a integrated circuit that I was designing. And um, what happened was I was designing it and you know we do all these simulations to make sure they're gonna work with the uh, expected inputs and outputs that we're gonna have. And you know I'd put months of effort into this thing and I came to this roadblock where I was at the end of my rope, could not figure out how to get to the end result that I needed. Specifications weren't aligning with what we needed. And I just could not think of anything to do and kind of sank into a despair, really. So I kind of bypassed the like frustration, angry kind of mode and went into the frustration, like despair kind of mode which was kind of a surprise to me, really. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna fail as a PhD. They're gonna kick me out of school, I'm toast. And the, the foolish thing about this was that <clears throat> what solved it in the end was I, was, I told my advisor, hey, I can't figure this out, what do I do? And it turned out to be a simple problem that he immediately knew the answer to. And it was just like, oh, just do that. And I was just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> So I guess for those of you like me, if, if you try to sweep the problems under the rug, it works a lot until it doesn't. So I think I had a lesson in hubris then 
I needed to uh, ask someone for help and admit my own failings in order to have the greater goal of getting the project done correctly uh, achieved. Mm -hmm. uh, so do you, so you reach out to your advisor when you have frustrations. Uh, do you also have like lab mates or people in the department where you'll go to and like, like, ah, this project isn't working? Yes, I should mention this. I have a very good friend actually who is older than me in the PhD program in the exact same uh, research group as me. So we both design integrated circuits. And um, he is quite possibly the smart, smartest person, the most intelligent and well-spoken person that I've ever met. And uh, he knows just so much about all of the things that we both are doing. And I have just the utmost respect for him. So he has been, along with my advisor, just an enormous help in training me and nurturing me to, uh, you know, get better at what I do. And so yes, there there are other grad students that I talk to and you know who collaborate with me. If you were to rate your grad school experience on a five star scale, what would you rate it and why? A, a five stars is this like TripAdvisor or something? Sure. I, take it to you now. This will be a great. <laughs> <spot>. <laughs> um, well, I'm an engineer and I only give out perfect grades if it is indeed perfect. So I would give it a four and a half star. <laughs> and because I, I will say that my experience has been absolutely excellent. And I would recommend to anyone who is interested in this, uh, simply because of the fact that there are gotchas and weird things about being in PhD that I think are a bit unnecessary. I can't give it the full five stars but I'm a tough grader. So <laughs> I think that it, it's, it's close. It's very close to being five stars. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, final question. What brings you joy? Ooh, what brings me joy? A lot of things, fortunately for me, bring me joy. I. I love um, I love meeting new people, talking to people, getting deep with them. Um, I love exploration, and this is to me quite a bit broader than like just you know finding new places and stuff, which of course is something that I really like doing. But to me, exploration is like the fulfillment of curiosity, which Fortunately, I have a lot of. And so I tend to think of any time that I encounter something new and exciting, that's exploration. And I can learn about it, think about it, try to improve it. And it, it's, it's a magical feeling to me to be able to like see something new for the first time, which there are so many things in this world that are new to me. <laughs> and uh, be able to like experience it and be a part of it and maybe even contribute to it. Uh, other than that, 
other things that bring me joy in general are peace. Like um, the sublime scent of rain on sage or uh, the wind in the mountains or um, you know, leaves on a crisp autumn evening or the, um, the sight of the great cosmos in the winter sky, you know, things like that. I just, I have, I, I think I do feel deeply about those kind of experiences and um, those just bring me an abundance of joy and the people, of course, that I experience them with. That's so poetic. So poetic. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah, of course. Thank you for inviting me. This was this was uh, thrilling. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Sam. I think he had a lot of really great insights. One of the things I liked is how he said, your life doesn't start after grad school. I think that's true, especially if you're returning to school after working for a while, or maybe after starting a family. Grad school is just one chapter in this whole story of your life, and you owe it to yourself to take time and space to be a person outside of your work and research. That's one of the themes that we've talked about in past episodes too, and I think it, it rings true here as well. I also liked how Sam emphasized the freedom and creativity that comes with being in graduate school. There's so much opportunity when you're doing things no one else has done before, and creativity is a really big part of that. And of course, when you get frustrated, there are always people around you who you can reach out to, whether that's your advisor, people in your lab or department, or maybe some friends outside of school. So thanks again for coming on the podcast, Sam, and thank you to everyone who is listening. I hope you found this episode insightful. This podcast was produced and edited by Sarah Roscoe with a guest appearance by Sam Murray. The music at the beginning of the podcast and right now is called Funkorama by Kevin McLeod. You can find his work at incompetech.com. The music is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. You can share this podcast with your friends. It's now available pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. You can for sure find it on Apple, Google, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you want to contact the podcast, or if you think you have a cool grad school story to tell, send us an email at msphdpod at gmail.com. That's M-S-P-H-D-P-O-D, one word, no punctuation, at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time for some additional conversation about more school pursuing higher degrees.